And welcome to the End Times Show for our Bible Prophecy and End Times Podcast. Um, tonight's podcast, we'll be dealing with Disney Pixar, so Gnostic New Age movie exposed. Now, Pixar have released, um, so on um, Christmas Day, um, December 25th, 2020, um, actually my family and I did watch the movie. My wife, my daughter, and my son watched it after eating, and we decided to sit down and watch it because... Um, mainly it had a African-American character and just listened to kind of like the hype of um, the movie is really good and it was being released. So sat down and watched it. Um, of course, while watching it, my wife and I were able to kind of discern that there were some things that were within the film that were really not filling up to, I guess, um, biblical standards, some of the stuff from our biblical worldview. Um, I can actually pick up that there was some Kabbalah and some Gnosticism, some other things, which it is, um, which we are going to examine and expose in regards to this film. It was um, mixed with Eastern um, religion. It was mixed with Kabbalah's mixed with um with Gnosticism and witchcraft and Mormonism and just a whole lot of other things and all, which we are going to explore. Um, now, the person that wrote and directed the movie, his name is Phil um, Doctor. Um, Phil Doctor is a professing Christian, so kind of find it ironic that he would promote a movie like that, write the movie. Um, he did state in interviews that part of his research, he asked people that were um, Buddhists and uh, rabbis, and he had interviewed um, Quincy Jones in regards to his spin about, I guess, the afterlife, and Herbie Hancock, the jazz artist, which... Herbie Hancock is a known Buddhist. So it's just kind of ironic that he would incorporate such themes. But I want to look a little bit into um, Pete Doctor, um, the director and writer of um, So, and some interesting things he had to say in an interview that he did back in 2009. He did this one interview with um, Reddix and doctor had confirmed that he was a Christian. And he said that it influences work. Um, see another interview that he did back in 2009, which was May 26, 2009, the Christian Today publication. Doctor talks about his relationship between his faith and his filmmaking. He goes on to state this, which is, I found very interesting. He says, I don't think people in any way, shape, or form, like to be lectured to. When people go to a movie, they want to see some sort of experience of themselves on the screen. He goes on and he states, he says, I don't come to be taught. So in that sense, in terms of any sort of beliefs, I don't want to feel as though I'm ever lecturing are putting an agenda forth. So he states this about his own Christian faith. He doesn't want to come off that he's lecturing. 
He doesn't want to come off um, setting forth some type of an agenda. But however, this movie so definitely has a new age occult agenda behind it. Now, what comes to my mind is the perfect scripture for this because it seems like a very cute, innocent animation movie made for kids. But when we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, it says, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So Satan, a lot of times, he uses deception. He uses things that seem so innocent, but it's laced with a bunch of poison and other things and all. And that's how he really utilizes deception. So I kind of feel like with Dr. Uh, Pete Doctor, he professes to be a Christian. And he also stated that he never really seen himself uh, making a Christian movie. This is what he stated in the interviews. Um, however, he makes a movie that's really laced with new age themes and philosophies within this movie. So, so another thing I like to take a look at is when he stated in his interview, he states that he does want to come off lecturing and he doesn't want to be putting on an agenda. Well, when we look at the means of influencing and propaganda, Edward Bernie, the author of Propaganda, had this to say about cinema because cinema is very powerful. Um, Hitler and the high ranking officers within the Third Reich within his Nazi party, they utilize cinema as a method of propaganda to shape and form the opinions of Germans during that date and time. And we see what the end result end up happening, uh, World War II and the mass slaughter of six million Jews lost their lives due to the fact of this demonically possessed man. But this is what um, Edward Bernie had to say in his book, Propaganda. He says, the American motion picture is the greatest unconscious carrier of propaganda in the world today. It is a great distributor for ideals and opinions. The motion picture can standardize the ideals and habits of a nation. This is what Bertrand Russell had to say about the utilization of movies in his book, America, page 109. He says, but perhaps the most important of all the modern agents of propaganda is the cinema, leading to almost worldwide uniformity. The great majority of young people in almost all civilized countries derive their ideals of love of honor, of the way to make money, and of importance of good clothes from spending or, sen or seeing what Hollywood thinks of good for them. Our evenings are spent, they spend evenings watching movies and they see 
what Hollywood thinks is good for them. He says, I doubt rather all the churches and schools combined have as much influence as cinema on the opinions of the young. The producers of Hollywood are the high priest of a new religion. So um, Bertrand, he states that Hollywood producers are the high priests of a new religion. So it's a way, a form of using propaganda. So this this movie so was full of propaganda. When we look at First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it states that evil communications corrupt good manners. Uh, I want to look at another Bible version interpretation of that scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. So let's take a look because definitely what's being conveyed is having an influence. I'm going to look at the English Standard Version And it states, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Let's go to the Amplified version. The Amplified version says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So it's in context that bad company our evil communications definitely corrupts good manners. So I've seen people on Facebook, even Christians who were praising this movie and some of the people who knew some of the uh, Eastern um, religious connotations of the movie said, well, my kid knows the difference. Well, no, if you're constantly um, feeding your kid this, this spiritual poison, this spiritual junk. Um, it's a known fact, and I've seen it with the, my own kids. Um, kids will watch stuff over and over and over again. So even when you're looking at a screen, this is known facts and studies that have been done, which is another uh, lesson or podcast that we can do at a later date. But you can fall under a hypnotic state of mind where you're open for suggestions. So if you're if you're meditating on watching the stuff over and, and over and over and over again, it's going to get down in your spirit. And I believe when we looked at Bernie and we looked at uh, Bertrand Russell, they did have a point that cinema does play a large part of propaganda and shaping and forming people's ideals. Now, again, we already stated that how Doctor was um, Pete Doctor had talked about that this he didn't want to utilize his movies as a way of lecturing people or um, to be entertained. We see this constantly that's going on. 
throughout this movie that is definitely a new age theme. Now, when we get down to the plot of the movie, the plot of the movie for so is Joe Gardner, which he's a middle-aged school teacher or music teacher from New York City, and he has a dream of becoming a jazz artist. So one day Joe's former students helps him get uh, audition with um, this jazz legend, Dorothea Williams, and she loves Joe's audition. Um, Joe blows her away. She invites Joe to come back and play a set with them um, that night, and she told him to make sure that he would get a nice suit and be ready to play that night. So Joe's on his way home, and He's not paying attention. He's preoccupied on his cell phone. He's he's excited about um, getting this gig and he falls in a manhole and he dies. So his soul is separated from his body and all of a sudden he pops up and he's in the great beyond, which he is terrified of going into the light, going to the great beyond and he escapes the great beyond and he goes into the great before and he pretends to be a counselor. He pretends to be a doctor and pretty much that shows deception and lies within itself. What is that teaching the kid? So number one, the word of God talks about in Hebrews 9 and 27, it's appointed to man once to die, then the judgment. So it gives a sense where, okay, I can escape judgment. I can, I, um, I'm not ready to die. Um, I can lie my way out of this and get back to earth. So um, that's not showing kids a very good principle in itself. But that being said, so he attempts to escape death. He goes to the great before and he becomes a soul counselor and pretty much all the people that are over um, the great before, all their names are Jerry. And again, they mistaken him as a soul counselor, as this, this, um, as this doctor. And he's assigned to 22, which is a soul that is in the great before who's been there for over a millennia. And she's not so or. 22 is not so interested in going down to earth. So um, she agrees to help Joe and she's like, okay, I'll help you get back to your body. So she introduces Joe um, to the mystics. Now, before I go into the mystics, because the mystics play a significant part and really show the spiritual element of this movie, but um, in the great before, they had um, mentors for these souls to get their spark and find what makes their personality you know, before they go to Earth. Some of the notable uh, mentors that they had in the great before is Muhammad Ali, great boxer, um, known as the greatest and all. However, Muhammad Ali was, not only was he... A Muslim. He was a Sufi Muslim. He practiced Sufi Islam, which was a mystical 
um, belief of Islam and also to um, Mother Teresa was a mentor, which Mother Teresa did her work there in Calcutta, but she she did a lot of good works, but she was not bringing people to salvation to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. She was keeping people, um, she was fine keeping people within staying, being a good Hindu or, or being a good Buddhist or just being um, anything but coming to um, faith in Christ. And then um, Carl Jung um, was one of the mentors. And anybody knows of Carl Jung, Jung um, he is one of the fathers of modern day psychology. But one of the things this man was deeply, heavily involved in the occult and incorporated occult practices into psychology. So it's kind of ironic that you would have, um, especially John Young, in a kid's movie and all. So 22 takes um, Joe to meet the mystics and the head mystic is Moonwind, um, which he travels on the astral plane, any, which he astral projects his body. Uh, Moonwind is a sign twirler, twirler there in New York City, um, but he's able to meditate while he's twirling his sign and astral projected body on the astral plane anybody that knows this that astral projection is a occult practice but primarily this mystic um moon when he's there to help uninspired stressful souls um get back from being lost and find their purpose so 22 introduces him and he's assisted by three other mystics. So the mystics that he's um, assisted with is Windstar, Dreamer, Moon, and the other mystic that he's assisted with is Danstar, Wind Moon, and the third mystic that he's assisted with is Dreamer, Wind, Dreamer, Dreamer. So he's assisted through all these mystics. Um, what's ironic is when Joe asked the question to um, Moonwind, where's your body? He says, well, I left my body, but I twirl signs and I'm a twirl signer there in New York City. But when he asked the other mystics, uh, Windstar, Dreamer, uh, Moon, and um, Danstar, Wind, Moon, and Dreamer when, Dreamer, Dreamer, when he asks where exactly their bodies are, um, one says, I'm, I'm in Paloin in a trance. And the other one says, I'm playing in the Sansarsata Vena in Tibet. So um, one is in Tibet, um, the body is in Tibet, but they're meditating. And another one says, I am a shamanic healer meditating in Berkeley, California. So all these are in a occult type practices, 
where they're meditating and they leave their body and they're on this astral plane communicating with other entities. So when we go to the 34 minute mark of the movie, Moonwind tells Joe to, in order to get back to his body, he's like, Joe, you have to meditate and concentrate your body and breathe into your crown chakra. Now, when I first watched this movie with my kids, I didn't notice this, but when I go back and watch some of the parts by myself, uh, begin to pick up even more stuff that I didn't pick up the first time that was incorporated, deep occult stuff incorporated within this movie. Now, this movie definitely had, besides some of the practices and all, the symbolism within this movie is pretty deep also, too. Um, when we look at the mystics, they're constantly in a lotus position. Um, a lotus position is the basic esoteric cross-leg posture of yoga, a flowered worship by Eastern mystics, also called Buddha posture. Now, when we look at the word Buddha, Buddha means enlightened one, a knower. It means the way. Now, Buddha can't be the way because Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No man can come to the Father unless he comes through me. But we see that these mystics are guiding Joe's soul back to his body and plays an important part of people regaining this spark and some several other things and all. So um, when watching this and especially what's going on in the public school system, a lot of things are being incorporated with trans meditation that's taking place, um, quiet time, several other things and all. Um, public schools are incorporating this um, to help um, kids when they need to go and be disciplined, there's disciplinary problems and all. They're incorporating trans meditation, um, which is a religious practice. Now, they won't allow the Bible inside a public school. They won't allow prayer in school, but they'll allow anything else but the word of God and prayer. So we see also that they're floating on a ship on the astral plane and the anchor for Moonwind and his three accomplices, um, mystics, the anchor is a peace symbol. Now, if you really study within the occult symbolism of the peace sign, that is diametrically opposed to Christianity. And when hippies and all, when this came out in the 60s, that was not by accident because that symbol is, that peace symbol is a narrow cross, which that narrow cross means to crush Christianity. Now, some of the other things with the symbolism when you move to around the 34 minute, 23 second part of the movie, Moonwind has a wand and on top of that wand is a crystal. 
and he carves out a circle to create a portal for Joe to get back to his soul. So um, we already talked about how um, Moonwind, he tells Joe to breathe, to concentrate, to focus um, so, so he can open up that chakra and his, his crown chakra. But this is a ritual that's taking place in the movie by him taking this wand and drawing the circle. So let's let's further look into that. When we look at that symbol in the book called Ritual and Magical Use of the Wand and What We Knew in the Night on page 155, it states the reawakening, the heart uh, the witchcraft states the wand has a variety of uses in ritual and magic. It can be used with control to open a portal activity, direct energy, and a strong or raise or, or pass a blessing to the setting, a person or a group of individual. In the ritual circle, the wand can be used to announce the beginning or the end of a rite. In essence, the wand represents authority of the divine spirit. So when we see Moonwind take the wand, draw the circle, that is an actual magical ritual that takes place in order for Joe to get back to his body. Of course, in the movie, um, 22 accidentally falls with Joe. Um, Joe goes into this cat's body and 22 goes into Joe's body, and which we'll get into. Um, that's the transmigration of souls, which, um, which we'll get ready to look at because that that pretty much goes with Gnosticism. It goes with Kabbalah, Mormonism, and just several other things and different types of Eastern religion. Funny that I mentioned Kabbalah because when that's the first thing that came out when I was watching this movie, I said, this movie is laced with Kabbalah. Um, with Kabbalah, souls are pre-existent. They occupy a special hall in the upper world of spirits. And they're already decided whether they will pursue good or bad course in their temporary sojourn in the human body, which is also fashioned according to the archetypical image. You can find this in page 64 of the Kabbalah is Doctrines, Development, and Literature and Essays by Christian David Ginsburg. Now, when we go over to the connection with Kabbalah and Mormonism and um, Gnosticism and Paganism, just in general, in the book called Sex, and Sex Worship, the Phallic Worship on page 586 by Otto Augustus Wall. He has some very interesting things to say. And this is where we, we 
looked earlier when we first started this podcast, how Pete Doctor was talking about, I don't want to use movies as a way of lecturing people and having an agenda. This definitely has an agenda, but it states Mormons teach that souls in the endless numbers exist in the invisible world awaiting a chance to enter into a human body. If they enter a human body, they get a chance to become immortal, to live in heaven or hell after death of a body. If they do not enter a body before the end of the world, all that have not by that time entered into a human body will perish utterly. Hence, it becomes a duty of a Mormon woman to give birth to as many children as possible to save these souls as there are more women than men. Polygamy was adopted to help increase the chances of these souls getting a body. The pre-existence of souls is also an ancient belief. Plato wrote, souls are acknowledged to be prior to the body. It is the teachings of Kabbalah that is taught that souls pre-exist and are androgynous or hermaphrodite. So we see that this is exactly what this movie represents a lot of things that takes place. It has a definitely a spiritual element to it. And here we have a Christian director and writer for Pixar that's in a position to really influence the world, but he takes a more of a ecumenical approach of incorporating everything with the exception of the gospel. And I'm not saying he could have just had a clean movie and not had any type of religious elements to it, but he decided to incorporate the occult in this movie. Now, all honestly, with the mystics of Moonwind and the three other mystics, they play an important part of him finding his spark, um, his his pretty much his spark of uh, connecting on um, what he really wanted to do in life and getting back into his body. Um, it's yoga and witchcraft, which there is a deep connection between yoga and witchcraft. And the Encyclopedia of New Age Beliefs, page 64, Masayad Iliad notes similarities between yoga and witchcraft. It states all features associated with European witches are claimed also by Indio Tibetan yogis and physicians, a long range of occult powers common to both. It goes on. In its highest form, occult sciences merge indistinguishably with true mysticism. The heart of genuine occult practices is synonymous with aspects of kundalini concept and yoga and occult magic go hand in hand. So we see quite a bit of stuff that takes place within this 
within this movie so with Eastern religion, with Kabbalah, with Gnosticism, with Mormonism, when we incorporate the pre-existence of souls, uh, it's, it's incorporated with so much stuff. I want to conclude with scripture. And this will be a good time also too, if you've seen this movie, you need to really sit down and rightfully divide the word of God with your child um, and kind of show them some way, show them some things like, this is where this is off. This is what we believe because you need to really, we really need to take out the time to make sure our children are grounded in a biblical worldview. As we stated, um, Bertrand Russell stated that Hollywood producers are the high priests of a new religion. So cinema can really shape. We, we can look at Star Wars, for example. Um, it's a cult-like following, but it has a religious Buddhist witchcraft element behind the movie, like the force and all. But let's look at Jeremiah. I want to look at Jeremiah chapter 10 and let's look at verse 2. It says, Thus said the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. Let's go over. So before I go over to conclude at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he says, learn not the way of the heathen and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven for the heathen are dismayed at them. So we have to make sure we don't take on the ways of the heathen. Let's go over to First Timothy. And we're going to look at chapter four and verse one it says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So this movie was laced with doctrines of devils. Um, Doctrines of devils of yoga, doctrines of devils of um, witchcraft and rituals of using a wand and drawing circles to open up spiritual portals, um, trans meditation taking place, um, reaching an altered um, consciousness, and just other things to achieve what you needed to achieve. So that being said, as parents, we have to be good stewards over our kids, Christian parents, and be able to lead and direct them to truth. And we just can't, I read the scripture earlier, 2 um, Corinthians 
11 to 14, how Satan's able to transform himself into an angel of light. We have to be able to discern what our kids watch, what they read, what they listen to, because they're being bombarded with so much things to lead them astray, lead them away from the Lord. We have to be aware that the enemy is out in these last and evil days. And cinema, these people that understand propaganda and TV and and um, advertisement and all these other things and all, they understand uh, manipulation. And we have to know that Satan is the master manipulator. So let's be strong in the faith. Let's be vigilant in our word. Let's be vigilant in prayer. God bless. This is the end time so far. And have a good night.